remember telling one guy, I was just like, I wish I would have had this when I was in high school. I didn't even know film was a thing. And so it was in those moments that I, one, realized I really did like teaching. Like, this is something I could get into. And that, two, I wanted it to be in West Virginia. I was like, I want to take what I've learned and go back to West Virginia because I didn't get to have this. This is Commonplace, the show about creative people and the things that inspire them. I'm Nathan Thomas. Today on the show, we have filmmaker and professor Tija Bumgarner. She's the director of projects like the feature film Meadow Bridge, co-creator of the series Her Hope Haven, and a professor at Marshall University's College of Arts and Media. This fall, students at Marshall will be able to declare their major as Bachelor of Fine Arts with an emphasis in filmmaking for the very first time. This is something Tija has been instrumental in putting together among many other professors working across multiple departments. And it hasn't happened overnight. They were laying the groundwork for this BFA when I was a student, and I've been out of school longer than I'd like to admit. In our conversation, we talk about what has led the program to this point, the culture shock Tija experienced as a small town West Virginian moving to California, the moment she knew she wanted to teach, and the state of filmmaking in West Virginia. Our conversation begins with talking about how students previously interested in filmmaking would take classes in the journalism school, even if that wasn't where their interest really lied. I would say maybe phased out is the right word, hopefully. Um, yeah, I do not. But I never really have, which has been like this weird, you know, transitionaries, trans, whatever, how we're transitioning into the BFA in filmmaking. I think that's just been um, what's happened is I will show, I'm like, here's my class roster and they're all video production majors in CAM, and they're not the video production emphasis in the SOJMC media production major. You know, I wasn't, I just didn't have those students. Um, and there weren't many students in that emphasis. Most students were in the major, so... I know for me and my generation of like Marshall J school students, Mm -hmm. so many of us were taking journalism classes as a means to do filmmaking Mm -hmm. when the end game wasn't necessarily any sort of journalistic enterprise. It was more of the creative video work. Right. Exactly. And that's what has happened. And it's just now that there are so many, it's like, kind of this you know student voice of like oh this it there is this interest and it's not that the journalism side isn't important it just needs to be clarified because not all students want to do both and I mean I you know to be fair I've had students in my class before who would rather shoot sports and be told where to point the camera rather than thinking creatively and so now with the BFA in filmmaking they'll know that they should probably go to the broadcasting side of the School of Journalism and Mass Comm instead. Which means that students will get the more specialized care that they're actually interested in rather than learning something that's kind of related but Mm -hmm. not really. Yeah. Yeah, it's been complicated, you know, and where there just wasn't that clarity for students And, you know, I think, like, having this major now is definitely, like, absolutely clear that we are making films here. And there's still, of course, some, you know, kinks to work through and trying to, you know, find which space students do want to be in. But I think most students who are in the CAM uh, BA video production now who can transition into the BFA in filmmaking major in the school of art and design, I think they will do that because I think that's what they were gravitating toward to begin with, because, you know, already talking about it in this interdisciplinary, uh, video production style rather than like broadcast, I think, you know, cause I've tried to 
emphasize those conversations for years, <laughs> trying to get students where they need to be. So I think it will absolutely be a game changer for a focus on what students want. They were so many students would get confused and why would we do that? Why put students through that? It's already hard to navigate college when you're first in college for the first time. And, you know, how do you find what you're interested in if it isn't laid out clearly for you? It needs to be as clear as possible. We'll get back to the new BFA in a bit, but to bring things to yourself and your own story, I know you've said before that before it was filmmaking, you thought it was going to be acting. Where, oh, yes. Where did that bug come from? Did you do plays growing up in Meadow Bridge? Or? I did. Um, I was in like, we had drama class, and so we had to take that anyway. And I remember getting into that, and it just felt like play, and it felt like fun. And I loved just taking on these other personas. You know, and I think that's part of just being a child and having that openness and imagination and always playing outside. And I don't know, there was something about that kind of upbringing in small town West Virginia where you do imagine yourself in like these other places and these other roles and worlds and being able to pretend to do that. And you could do that like in in real life and that could be a job like that to me was so appealing yeah just getting to use your imagination all the time yeah you're just playing like literally oh, play yes absolutely and so yeah there was a lot of that and then of course when we got a video camera and it was a vhsc so it's like those short stocky tapes my mom had that video camera and i remember always setting that up and just pretend it, you know, it's like we would have talk shows. And then when Blair Witch came out, oh my gosh, my friend Devin and I were just like, let's do this. And so we're just filming our, like we were in plays together. And so we would just film ourselves out in the woods. Like, you know, it just seemed possible. It seemed like something you could do. And so, but the acting I thought was absolutely what I wanted to do. I just love that part of it. I love being on camera and again, that play. And it's funny when I got into, I think I was still in community college, but I started focusing on filmmaking. And I had my mom send all my home movies out to California so I could make what my, you know, my first project was supposed to be this personal statement film. So I was like, oh, well, I got to have home movies. And so I had my mom send me all of those. And I was watching them with my friend Mel. And you know, I have the camera set up and I'm telling my cousins, like, you sit here, you sit here, you know, blah, blah, blah. And my friend Mel's like, you didn't know you wanted to be a director? And I was like, oh, huh. And it made me feel like, oh, maybe I am on this path of like where I needed to be or what I needed to do. Maybe I did want to be a director. I just didn't know what it was. Exactly. Because you don't, you know, you don't even know. I mean, I was sitting in those first film classes and watching films that you know I'd never heard of or never would have been exposed to and you don't you just don't know that that's an option I think you know that's part of what I I wouldn't say go up against but that's one thing in the you know, like talking to students like especially for parents right it's like oh filmmaking well, what what is that and that, you know so I have to or I don't have to but a way that I've started to explain it is when you look at the credits of a film you see all these jobs, like all these people it takes to make an hour and a half movie. And it's easy for someone who doesn't, you know, understand media or think about it behind the scenes to see like, oh, what? It's like an hour show or it's a 30 minute show or whatever. Like what, what work could it take, you know? But when you see those credits, you see all the people that it takes to make that one, you know, creative project that you're looking at. And to get paid, right, you just need one of those jobs. So there's a lot of opportunity in, in, in that. And, you know, I'm grateful that I was able to find that I like to be behind the camera, um, which really came out of auditioning for things that I did not want to be auditioning for in California. It was a lot of fun. I'm grateful that I went out there, I did that, you know, I, I got my headshots done and mailed out all these things to agents. I got an agent and 
you know, went on these auditions, but one of the last like bigger, and here's the thing though, is like, okay, so this last audition, I just, it, it didn't feel good. You know, it's like, whatever. And so I remember I was at community college and we're getting ready to have like a screening, I think of our films, but I got a call from my agent. Oh, there's an audition for you down in LA. And my community college was in Santa Clarita. So it's like 30 minutes. And when I say 30 minutes, LA time, you know, we're looking like three hours. I was like, there's no way. And so I like chose to stay in this school filmmaking route instead of going to that audition. And I think that was that moment that kind of changed my trajectory and my focus. I still love acting and I still do it as often as possible. And so for my students, right, I'm acting in so many of their projects like while I can, which I absolutely love. So it still, it still happens. Um, and I acted in uh, Curran's first like narrative feature that Kern Sheldon, he made a feature film, so I acted in that last summer. The, and that was uh, a lot the of fun. boxing one, right? Yeah, the beatdown. Yeah. What originally took you out to LA or uh, California? So I had sort of always dreamed about it, like New York or LA as being somewhere I wanted to be, but it, it seemed so far away. Like as an adult, when I think like I can drive to New York, like as a kid, it seems like this whole other like world. Um, and so I, I had gone, so I was working at Johnny Rockets in Myrtle Beach because <laughs> that's where I moved after high school. Why not? Um, and I'd taken some classes at Second City in Cleveland because I worked at uh, Barefoot Landing at Close in the winter. So I went to Cleveland. I took classes for improv at Second City because I wanted to be on SNL like that was the dream and so I did that and it was a lot of fun and then I wanted to go back but they closed down and luckily the owner of uh, Johnny Rockets his daughter Candace she lived in California and she was doing acting and she came to visit Johnny Rockets for the summer and we got to talking long story short she was just like tea I have you know like an apartment and you can come and stay with me in LA and try that out and it was like surprising to me that that opportunity was just kind of laid out there and it's also surprising to me that I took it but I did and she was so kind and she lived in Brentwood in California in this tiny like bachelor apartment to where there's no kitchen but she shared her futon with me it's just like it was the futon room and there was a closet and a bathroom and there's a microwave and like a hot plate and a little fridge, but it was so small because it's, you know, very expensive to live there. And so, yeah, she shared a futon with me and helped me to get my headshots done and get the agents and was there with me through every step of the way. But that's, you know, how there's always that person, right? Like that, is a stepping stone or like helps you. You never really do it on your own when you get to do something. I think there's always that person. And she was absolutely that person that just offered up her very small space for me to crash in. Going out to the West coast, what was the culture shock like and how did that impact things you were making out there or writing or working on? So when I first got out there, you know, my only focus was acting and I knew I wanted to, like I'd registered for second city classes out there. Um, and so when I got there, like Candace picked me up at the airport and I remember it being just, everything is so visual still in my mind of like, you know, get picked up and <clears throat> we go, I think it was like maybe that same evening we went to a Moroccan restaurant and we're like sitting on the floor at the, Mine, I've never been somewhere like that. Like, I, I just hadn't. And so that was already interesting. And, like, in her friend group, there was, like, a brain surgeon and, like, just a variety of people. I had ne I've never met a brain surgeon before in my, like, in my life. And then we went to, I think we were walking down Sunset Boulevard. And we went to Hustler. And there's a coffee shop in Hustler. I'm like, what is this world? Like, what is this life that I've just like dropped into? And all of that sticks so much. I'm just like, 
how am I at this porn shop? And I'm able to get a skit like coffee. And it was just so many things like that were so eye opening of just being in a whole other space that I'd never, cause I'd never visited LA before I moved there. I just moved there. At this point, I'd never been to New York either. And so I'd just been in like West Virginia, Carolinas, Ohio. And so it's very different and eye opening and so many different opportunities that happen there. And yeah, a lot of stories that I'm grateful to have for sure. Had you written or worked on like writing things before taking those community college classes? Nope, because when I, so in high school, I went to Votech and I went for broadcasting. So being in MetaBridge, we would, our 11th and 12th grade year, take a bus all the way to Oak Hill. So those who don't know, it's like an hour. And that's when I found I could be on camera right? Because it's broadcasting. And so I would be an anchor and a reporter and things like that and getting, and I started to learn how to edit. And I learned editing like tape to tape style editing before digital editing. Oh my gosh, I don't know if I could do that now, but that is how I learned. And so in that space and with those tools, I started making my own like stuff. I would make commercials or whatever. Um, but I hadn't really thought about it as an art form, like at all. So when I went to California, when I ended up at community college, it was for broadcasting. And it just happened to be that the program for broadcasting, it was like radio, television, and film were all in the same department at College of the Canyons. And so I had to take a film class because it was just part of the curriculum And that's when things changed. And then I started getting into, oh, I can write my own stories or be behind the camera. It's not just auditioning or it's not just being on camera. And so that's where that started. But prior to that, no, I just went out with like, all right, I'm going to be an actress. And then I ended up at community college because of a friend who went there. And it was interesting to me that, and I don't know how it is now, But at that point, it was $20 to go to community college, 20 bucks and included everything that you needed, like your parking pass and everything. It's like 20 bucks. You can take as many credits as you wanted because I was a a California resident at that time. I'd been there for, you know, a couple of years. And so I was like, yeah, why wouldn't I go? These classes sound awesome. I didn't like I didn't leave high school wanting to go to college because, right, no one ever explained to me or I didn't ask I was a kid that you can go to college for something that you're interested in you know like it just it never dawned on me I thought you had to go for you know specific like job this nine to five job or this one or that one and that didn't appeal to me but then once I saw what was happening at this community college then it kind of all changed was there any sort of specific class or a movie shown in any of those classes that like blew your mind of like, oh, this is what I can do. This is what the medium can be. Yes. It will always stick with me is this class called Structure of the Moving Image. And we basically like watch films and chat about them. And we watched Welcome to the Dollhouse from Todd Salons. And in it, there was... Uh, the main character is Don Wiener, and she's like this awkward, you know, like preteen uh, with thick glasses, and she has this cute little sister. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is my life. Like, that was me, this awkward kid with thick glasses, I have this cute, blonde, blue eyed little sister. And seeing that story like play out on screen of just these like awkward, like teenage girl moments, I was blown away. And so that's the one that I was like, oh, I want to make a film like this, which helps be like a catalyst to writing MetaBridge um, as well. And so that was definitely the one. And then we watched many other like Kieslowski films, the Red, White and Blue trilogy. Those are films that I was just like, what? Like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, those did it. And movies that you 
couldn't have seen anywhere around here unless you knew someone who was like deep into that sort of stuff. Right. Absolutely. Because I would just go see, you know, whatever's playing in Beckley at the Crossroads Mall or, you know, whatever theater that you're going to. It's like the the bigger films um, or what's on TV, you know, made for TV films. A lot of Lifetime movies, I think, in my day. But never something that I felt that connected to had I seen before that. What was the reaction from your classmates uh, in terms of like early drafts of Meadowbridge? Well, so I wrote the script while at CalArts. Um, I didn't get into production until I'd moved back and lived back home in West Virginia for a couple of years. But the script, it was interesting. There was, you know, moments that I was told were unbelievable. And I'm like, no, that that is what happened. Um, and I get that now, like as a professor, and I tell my students this who are writing from their own experience, you know, we hold on to it. It's ours. It did happen. But you have an audience that you're writing to. And if no one else can connect to that happening or what have you, then it's, you know, difficult. Um, and it doesn't strengthen the story. It could take away from it. And so, but at that point, being young and in the screenwriting class, I'm like, no, that did happen. It's like, why would the mom use the daughter's money to pay a bill? And I'm just like, because that's what happened. the bill needs to be paid. Exactly. Like, like, it is a big deal to go to Charleston just to go to JCPenney's. Yes, it is. That's the detail in Meadowbridge that <laughs> stuck out the most to me. Yeah. Is something like going to the mall being treated like this massive thing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because that's not where you get to shop all the time for your clothes. And, yeah, it was interesting. I think that's one of those moments that, sticks out of like oh I didn't know that this was unique until it made no sense to some people in my class and mind you like the classes at CalArts it's made up from you know all different people from different places um but getting that comment from the from a professor I was like oh huh yeah I mean that is weird yeah I'm like oh I guess maybe that is weird and I remember just talking with her like after, you know, class and things, she was just like impressed by hearing a story of this place because at that point, you know, there weren't a lot of films like that coming out of West Virginia or media in general that was just kind of about living here to where it wasn't like, you know, a heavy hitting story about this place, but just kind of a slice of life, day in a life type of piece that I wanted to to make with that when did going into being an educator seem like a thing you'd want to do that happened while I was at CalArts um I had work study and so I worked in like the equipment cage at CalArts but then I was also part of this program called CAP Community Arts Partnership and we would go on Fridays my friend Liz Mims and I we would drive to LA and we would teach at, uh, we'd teach filmmaking at what was called, I don't know if it's still called this, like a continuation school or as kids who weren't doing so well in their um, like home high schools. And so they would go to this school. And so it was just like this group of kids and we got to teach them filmmaking, like from beginning to end, they're just like making a film. And I remember working with these kids and some were like so excited to be doing this and so we're like coming up with their story and just like to see that excitement was like gratifying. And then there were some kids who did not care at all that we were doing this. And I remember telling one guy, I was just like, I wish I would have had this when I was in high school. I didn't even know film was a thing. And so it was in those moments that I, one, realized I really did like teaching Like, this is something I could get into. And that, too, I wanted it to be in West Virginia. I was like, I want to take what I've learned and go back to West Virginia because I didn't get to have this. I didn't know how I was going to do that, but that was the the push for wanting to be an educator started in with that, like, experience. 
seems like then you were playing the long game then. Like, <laughs> there being now a Bachelor of Fine Arts in filmmaking that you can get in Huntington being like a real, like, not the culmination because you've still got, you know, years of a career left, but like it, mm -hmm. it seems like a lot of what you've been doing has been building to this. Yeah. Which is, it's one of those things where it's like, sometimes you put something out into the universe and then it happens and it's a bit baffling. Uh, so when I graduated Cal Arts in 2009, that's when I knew I wanted to come back to West Virginia. I wanted to teach, but I also knew that any film I wanted to make, any story I had to tell, it took place here. And so to me, it just made sense that this is where I needed to be. And so I sent an email to Marshall University in 2009, and I was like, hi, I'm graduating from CalArts. I'm a filmmaker, blah, 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 blah. I see on your website that you don't offer a film degree. I think that would be really great for students to have an option to make films. And I still have these emails. I have them like because they mean a lot to me. And I got a reply back from Dean Van Horn at the time. And it was a different like setup. I don't I don't know that it was the College of Arts and Media. It may have been like a different setup, 2009, right? And Dean Van Horn wrote me back and he was so kind. He was just like, Tisha, I really like appreciate your enthusiasm. This is wonderful. It's really hard in academia to start a degree. There's a lot of red tape. Um, I wish you all the best, you know, Dean Van Horn. And I was like, okay, I tried. Like, one naive I'm just like emailing randomly I'd never been a to Marshall University yeah I was just like randomly emailing saying that you should have a, a film major did you email any other schools or just no Marshall? just Marshall because I knew and this was years before you started teaching yes there. 2009 okay I all, I only had my BFA from Cal Arts, and so I you know I was like oh okay and then ended up moving here to West Virginia and then realizing that I did want to teach. So I'd need a different degree. And so I was going for my master's, but I also knew I needed access to equipment, which is another reason I decided to go for my master's. So I ended up at West Virginia state university and then found out that you have to have a terminal degree to teach. And that was not an MFA. That was an MA. Uh, but I did end up making you know, my thesis film was a short documentary that I enjoyed making. But then I decided I needed to go on for uh, either an MFA or a doctorate. And so I applied for the doctorate program um, in interdisciplinary arts at Ohio University. And I did get in. And so I haven't finished that yet, but I'm well on my way. Um, but in that process, at OU, I heard about this video production major that they were starting here at Marshall. Shout out to Ryan Vance because he's married to my childhood best friend, Danielle. And so I had that inside scoop and I decided to just put it out there. So I had already made MetaBridge at this point. This might have been like 2015, 2016. Um, again, emailed Dean Van Horn and he was so kind. I was just like, I'd love to have a meeting with you about the program. And so I come to Huntington and I, you know, this is back in the day. I had a DVD of MetaBridge. I had my resume printed, all these things. And I was like, I'm a woman filmmaker from West Virginia and I'd love to teach here. I hear you have video production, you know, and we went back and forth about why it wasn't called filmmaking and, you know, those kind of conversations. Did you mention the email from 2009? I don't think I did at that point. I have recently um, since the BFA has come about. Um, and luckily he talked with um, the director at the time was Sandra Reed in the School of Art and Design. So I ended up as an adjunct in the School of Art and Design. So I was driving to Ohio University and I had to teach a class there for my um, assistantship. I was an adjunct at West Virginia State University teaching a photography class. And then I was teaching two classes here. And so it was, you know, a lot of driving mm -hmm. at that point. You were hustling. I was absolutely adjunct hustling. Tell you what. 
but it was great. I, I taught art 112 and then art 219. And um, then the position opened up in the school of journalism. And that's when I auditioned for that. I like to say audition, <laughs> um, interviewed. And yeah, and now things have, things have changed. Yeah, I remember when you started at Marshall, it was a little too late in my program to take any of your classes that made like sense for my degree. Yeah. But I remember there being like a new sense of energy amongst the video students um, just because there was like someone younger within the department had a lot mm -hmm. of energy, enthusiasm and was uh, encouraging for a lot of these creative projects. Yeah. When you see, like how gratifying is it to see student work whenever you do these student film festivals? Does oh it gosh. feel like, is there a great sense of pride to that? Absolutely. It is such, it's kind of a bizarre feeling and it's, yeah. It's just so awesome. Even earlier today, I got a text message from a former student who graduated. Uh, they got a job um, in Northern West Virginia working on a film that came into town. Because I, I have uh, like an Instagram chat with all my former students that I'll put post jobs in there. Like jobs that current students couldn't really do because they're like weeks of work or whatever. I just got a message today that this student was like working on that all last week, had a great time, met all these awesome producers. And like, oh, I was just so excited. I took a screenshot, I sent it to Mark, my director down the school of art and design. I was like, I love these messages. And so even that, just knowing that students are getting to follow their dreams and they're getting to work in a field where they feel fulfilled, fulfilled and excited and, they get to see their work, you know, like this week, the, sh the, is it ABC, the show, what would you do? I had multiple students who like worked on that. And so it's just cool to see that happen for them. And so it is seeing their work, which is awesome. I love being anywhere the student work is showing. I'm always sharing all these film festivals they need to submit to. And when we have like their, uh, like end of semester screenings or what it's, I, I want to get everyone there because it is something to show off. And it's such a public-facing uh, major because everyone's going to see your work. But And I tell students this, especially when they're working on their capstone films, I'm like, it's hard. It's really difficult getting through there. It's like, but when you're sitting there with everybody, you're going to look at that screen and you're just going to be like, how did we do it? How did we get through that? Because I know that feeling. But I get to see it like... 10 times a semester now and get to see my students experience that. So it's, yeah, it, it's, it, it, I'm very grateful for the role that I get to play in all of this. Those thesis films, they are assignments where the audience isn't their classmates or mm -hmm. like, you know, you uh, do your big final project and you're probably never going to look at it again after you check the grade online. Uh, but these are like movies that they can do something with and hopefully they are. Yes, too. absolutely. And I tell students, I'm like, think of this, you know, I, I, I know it's cliche, like this calling card, but I try to encourage students, if you're interested in cinematography, make sure your film is visual because add that to your reel to get more work or editing Make sure that the project that you're doing is like heavily, you know, editing based. And so you're able to highlight that work. And I absolutely encourage students to submit to any and all film festivals that you can with your work and to get more work. I think that's like the filmmaker dream. Like we do this work to get more. It's like work makes work because you just want to be able to keep working in something that you love. And so I absolutely encourage students that it's not just a class project like this is your film and most take like take it very seriously and are highly invested in their work there's also more and more work for them if they want to stay in the state or stay close by too yes I'm so grateful for that and that's like the student who messaged me that just worked on a project in northern West Virginia 
is through Dave Lavender had sent me this, you know, uh, opportunity. And so I sent that along to students. I'm so grateful that the uh, tax incentives are back and the film office is back and Dave is hustling for everybody. It does not matter the size of film, size of budget. You need, he's there. He is a shining star in this state right now. And I'm so thankful that he's out there hustling for all of us. He's one of the best. Like it is the best possible position for him that like isn't writing for a newspaper (laughs) i know it's true i mean he could do many things so i'm glad that he's sticking with this for now for sure he's also going to be going back down to south by southwest here soon to continue the hustle on the ground level i love that it was so funny to run into him last year because i was there last year i wish i could make it again this year but i just can't do it unfortunately is it hard to balance your own creative work when you're doing all these like teaching and like mentorship type things for students? Yes, it is. It, it is a lot. Um, and I've had students who've recognized that and they're, they're, you know, they ask me like, how do you do all this? I'm like, Oh, you just ignore your friends and family. It's so easy. Uh, but it's not easy. It's a lot to juggle, but I think where it, it doesn't feel like heavy is because what I'm doing is what I'm teaching. And I tell students this who may be interested in grad school, you know, like, how do you like look at different grad schools or decide? I'm like, well, one thing that I look at, and this is just me personally, this is just my opinion, but I want to learn from professors who are doing what they're teaching. And I just, again, for me, I appreciate that. And I remember that at Cal arts, like you get to see like your professors work because they're working and they're making this work that they're teaching you. And so that to me is, um, makes it feel better to be doing that kind of hustle and working on things. And it's been awesome when I've been able to hire students on my projects. And that's been a lot of fun or working on like a Hulu short film that we did for Ursula Ellis, Um, I talked to Ursula and so I was the AD on that project and then I was able to get like four like students, I think two current and two graduated students on the project, like paid work on, you know, these different projects. And so for me, it, it is more work, but it is beneficial both for my personal like portfolio and wanting to make work but also for students as well, because a lot of like the professors I have come in or different guest speakers I have come in and talk to students, it's because I've met them doing, you know, different projects. This HBO documentary that I worked on a while back, uh, the DP on that, Michelle McCabe, uh, she's talked to my documentary class two years in a row, just talking about cinematography for documentaries. And her latest film is... Um, let the Canary Sing, uh, Cindy Lauper documentary. And so she's actively always working, but she takes time to like talk to my students because I've worked with her like on the ground and she's willing to do that. And so that's happened quite a bit where the people I've met because of my creative work, they're able to also come into the classroom. And so it feels like it all like is symbiotic and just works really well. And I'm happy that I get to do both for sure and it's also very exciting that in the time that you've been doing it you've already had the chance to have former students come back and talk to the class too because they're actively doing cool stuff whether it's in the like filmmaking aspect or like even the marketing kind of video side of the commercial video side of things yeah absolutely every fall when I teach a class where like we make videos for clients we always go to impact media and I'm like look my former students and that to me is such a joy to yeah bring that back and especially when they're like oh we learned this in this class I'm like yes I did something right you know teaching sometimes you're like all right we're gonna try this we're gonna see what works um yeah teaching is its own art for sure but those moments are absolutely gratifying so looking at the big 
picture of like film in West Virginia. Uh, what are the things that excite you about this current moment that we're in? I think what's most exciting right now is it's like this renaissance of film in the state. And I feel like there's so many people who have bought in, you know, not necessarily in like a, you know, executive producer type of way, but this buy-in that this place is absolutely grounds for making films and making good films and working together. And you see these different like cohorts of people who are doing this work, like hopefully starting to work together because I feel like in the past when we didn't have our film office and we didn't have Dave like making all these different connections, it's easy to get lost in your own bubble. But I think at least again, it feels this way that there are just more people who are so excited about the opportunities. And I feel like I am excited for all the opportunities coming in. If we could get more projects coming in because of the tax incentive but also it just seeing like the filmmakers coming out of Marshall to me is like I don't know I think it's huge and I think if they're able to stick around awesome because there's a lot of stories here and we're able to finally kind of take hold of those narratives um but if they leave and go make films elsewhere awesome too you know I used to be of the mind like you gotta stay here you know and there's part of me that feels that in some way, but... But also, you got to do what's best for you. Absolutely. And here's the thing, like, you you do leave. You may come back, you may not, but you're taking something from this place, something that you've gained, and you're getting to share that elsewhere. Like, that's just as important as doing it here. And again, I used to, like, why would you not want us to, like, come on, let's rise up, you know? And whether they realize it or not, West Virginia is going to be in what they make, like, rooted in it somehow. Yeah, absolutely. And I do tell students, like, the access here is awesome. <laughs> you, So if you do want to go out and make films elsewhere, do that. Please do that. Like that is an experience that I think anyone and everyone should have. But while you're here, take advantage of what you have here, which, you know, are these like filmmaking communities that, like I said, I think are growing and access to places because West Virginia can look like a whole lot of different places if you just look. Um, And so utilizing that while you're here, building up your portfolio and then finding those other jobs elsewhere. And most of the time, business owners or managers or whatever are so like enthralled or excited about like a movie or a video being Mm -hmm. shot in their location. It's much easier to get in the door than like a bigger city. Oh, Absolutely, it's because everyone knows in New York what you're doing yeah. <laughs> or but if LA. If you're doing it guerrilla style on the streets of Huntington, mm-hmm. you know you've kind of got the run of the town if you handle things like nicely. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. So, what would you say to? What's your elevator pitch to a prospective student who might be interested in the new degree? Mm, good question. My elevator pitch. I mean, I definitely bring up the looking at credits of a film and all of the different job opportunities. But really, I just say, like, this is a space where we make films and we do fiction, we do nonfiction. And so we we do commercial, trying to broaden what people may think filmmaking is, that it's all these different things. And you see TV, you know, TV shows, you see movies, you see commercials, you see videos on your phone, like it's everywhere. Video is such, you know, this huge medium. And so for us, our focus is, you know, getting to make those for ourselves, whether that be, you know, the writing phase, and then you get into pre-production and, you know, we go from script to screen, actually before script, because you got to get into development and then scripts and then all these different steps to the screen. And just talking about how, you know, you start off learning the basics, like what is film? And I think now that it's the BFA in filmmaking, you know, we've incorporated the classes in English, like screenwriting, good films, film studies, you know, introduction to film studies. So students get an idea of what film is before they start to make them, because I think that that's been a little bit lost, but my elevator pitch, that's tough. That is tough. 
I like to talk a lot. So it's got to be a very tall building and a very long elevator ride. Um, but a lot of what I tell students is like, stop by, come see us. I w- would love for prospective students to, you know, step into class because in class we're making movies and that's so exciting to me. And I think I love it so much. And there are times when I'm like on set with students, I'm like, y'all, I'm getting paid right now to be here. Like, <laughs> And so I don't know. Yeah. Elevator pitch is tough for me. Are there any comparable programs at schools elsewhere in the state? It's a good question. There are no other BFA in filmmaking programs. I don't think there are any like filmmaking specific programs in West Virginia, but I don't know how other schools handle like the media classes. I think a lot of it does get kind of uh, like grouped in with media. A lot of people, if they're coming up and they are debating, Debating, wanting to go into filmmaking there's that debate of like oh is film school needed and mm-hmm. one of the things that gets brought up a lot is like the costs associated mm-hmm. with it and while this is a bfa and not like a full-blown quote-unquote film school mm-hmm. or whatever price comparison wise like it's still college you're still paying tuition but mm-hmm. it's nowhere near as much as some of the top name film programs in the country. Oh, absolutely. And I could bring up my student loan debt from CalArts. <laughs> but I do like to tell, like, we're not paying for a CalArts, you know, experience. And so it is going to be different. Um, but, yeah, costs associated with this, luckily, it is Marshall and it is West Virginia. And I hope that that is more accessible for students to get this experience. So you don't have to pay you know, $50,000 a year or a semester or whatever it is. I honestly don't know the prices of film score. Now I'm sure it's gone up since I went, but you don't have to pay those prices to get that grounding that you need. Now, I I will say if you want to go on getting your undergrad here, your BFA in filmmaking, and then if you want to specialize in cinematography or screenwriting or editing or what have you, going on for an MFA that's where maybe you want to put the those extra dollars. You know, I didn't have those kind of conversations when I was get, going into school. Again, I was at community college and we had professors from CalArts. And I was like, I want to go there. And so I did. And then that's where I got my BFA. And it was a lot of money, a great experience. I learned a whole lot and I met a lot of really great people. But get your BFA in filmmaking here and then go on for that MFA, I think would be some advice for that cost um, there. And also, yeah, we're not a film school, but the way that students have kind of shaped what this program is and what it can be, it's such a community that that's what film school can sometimes really offer is getting to meet the people that you may work the rest of your life with. And I think that we are absolutely doing that at Marshall with the filmmaking program. You're getting that technical, you know, experience. It's hands-on classes because they're studio classes. It's three hours. We're shooting, we're filming, you know, we're making these things. Or today we were editing something that we've already shot. So it's a lot of hands-on, but a lot of it is going to be in, learning how to communicate with one another and to work with people. It's such a collaborative field. Filmmaking is so collaborative. And being here and in classes, it gives you that experience and networking as well. Like with those filmmakers that I bring into class, like when Michelle zoomed in with us from New York, like the School of Art and Design are doing their annual New York trip. So a couple of my students, I was like, ask Michelle out for coffee, talk about, you know, cinematography. And so that's going to happen, you know? And so a lot of it is, yeah, in the connections that you make in the community that you build in film school for sure. Who is there within the, besides Dave Lavender, Uh within the West Virginia filmmaking community that inspire you? That inspire? Oh, good question. Inspire. I mean, I know like Ashley Sinnott is doing a lot with the Film Futures Foundation. Him and Justin are really like articulating that space for people. And I think what's really awesome about what they're trying to do, it is to amplify, you know, 
the narrative of West Virginia by providing resources and offering like free workshops. Because again, you know, when we're in class, we're going over, you know, so many things, but you, it, if you're passionate about something and I tell students this, I can't teach you passion, (laughs) but you know, let's meet you, you know, if you're passionate, let's get you as much like exposure to every form of film, you know, and filmmaking every aspect that we can. And so the workshops that they're offering are so helpful because it's a designated like three, five hours on a specific art form, like cinematography. I know they did like horror film lighting, uh, recently. And so that's such a like nice compliment to what I'm doing. So it doesn't feel like I'm And again, I'm not doing it alone. I have other professors. I have Tacey Jones, who's doing the animation and like the motion design type of work. Like she was hired as a new media professor. And then there's Kyle, who's doing graphic design and Danny Kaufman doing photography. And so with all of us, like, you know, focused in our avenues, it's just really nice to have like this um, outside opportunity that can add on to to what we're doing. So that I'm very grateful for. And there's just so many independent filmmakers around just making stuff. I love it. So, and there's so many like film festivals, all of a sudden I'm like sending my students like film festivals to submit to. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, there's like five, six regional film festivals or more. And so I think that's also very inspiring as well, that people are really into it and making it a thing. And I'm Yeah, I'm really happy for that. The BFA in filmmaking begins this fall at Marshall University. You can find Tisha's feature film Meadowbridge on Vandalia.tv. If you know a future college student who may be interested in this program, send them Tisha's way and maybe, just maybe, they'll find a program that's right for them. Thank you for listening to Commonplace. If you liked today's episode, I ask that you leave a review, subscribe, share with a friend. These are free ways that help the show in a big way. The show is hosted and produced by me, Nathan Thomas. Our theme song is Rescio by Goodwolf from the album Car in the Woods. We'll be back again in two weeks with another episode of Commonplace. Commonplace.